part two of our NBA season preview. In this episode, we'll be covering the Western Conference over-unders. Last episode in part one, we did the Eastern Conference. A lot of the same picks, a couple of differences here and there, some surprising ones. So if you haven't listened to that yet, go check it out. Today, we're going to be starting off with the West. All right. And, you know, I was so excited when we signed off just, you know, first live pod and everything else. I just told us everyone would talk to him next week and had a couple of people texting me asking if we were going to do the other half of the league. So uh, never fear. We're, we're going to be back. This is going to post on Tuesday, um, uh, which is going to be the day of the opening tip off. And if you don't listen to it Tuesday, I reserve the right to change all my picks and uh, based on what happens the first couple of days. I will say, though, before we get started, the biggest news of the weekend was not that we convened live uh, for our episode. It was the merchandise that was uh, proudly um, shown on Instagram. Got a lot of pre-orders, uh, people looking to to add the merch to their collection. And if the podcast doesn't make money, I think we know what avenue might be best for us. Yeah, a lot of interest in the merch. Hey, and who knows? We might be doing some giveaways of merch for those of you loyal listeners, you know, maybe we'll throw a quiz in at the end or something to see if, who's actually listening. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I was glad to see yeah. this popular. Uh, we'll get more made for all you guys who are interested. That's a great idea. All right. So let's start with the Western Conference over over unders. Who better to start with than the Dallas Mavericks? Uh, 38 and 44 last season. Their over unders 43 and a half. Um, you know, they had Kyrie Irving come over midway through the season. He ended up playing um, only 20 games for the Mavericks, so obviously not a big sample. He was pretty incredible in that time. The team was less so. They missed the playoffs. They kept their top 10 protected pick. They since added uh, Derek Lively and Omax Prosper in the draft, as well as Grant Williams and Seth Curry, and of course, re-signed Kyrie. So um, where do you stand on Dallas at 43 and a half? This one's a tough one. I'm going to go over. There's, I know there's a lot of talk about the Luka Kyrie experiments not working out. They're going to have to blow it up. It wasn't promising towards the end of last season. This was not a good team defensively. They were a train wreck. Offensively, as good as both of them were on individual nights, like it still was not resulting in wins. I like Grant Williams. I think that it's going to give them a little bit more of an edge and a character to this team. I think they need somewhat of a change in that culture. They're bringing the same guys back like Kleber, Powell, like all these guys have been there for such a long time now. I think that's going to be an infusion of energy, um, defense, some shooting. And I just don't think Luca is, Luca's too good to be under this 43 and a half number, under 40 wins even for two years in a row. Like if he really is that MVP candidate, if he that perennial all NBA player, he's got to be able to drag them to 45, 46 wins. And I think they will do it this year. They'll find a way. So I'm going over. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to start off with, uh, again, another agreement, but I'm going to level you up. I'm going over lock. There is wow. no way Luka Doncic as great as he is, is going to put together two duds of a season back-to-back. 38-44 and with all the craziness last year, with them shutting it down with a few games to play, they easily could have gotten to 40-41 if they wanted. And they only had Luke Luke and Kyrie pairing for like 10 or 12 games between injuries and the timing of the trade. 
I love the Grant Williams move just to give them a little bit of toughness, a little bit of energy. Defensively, he could take on some of the the wings that, you know, Luca had to guard but never was very competent at, to say the least. Josh Green, they locked up today on a really reasonable contract, three years, $41 million. I think Jan Hardy takes a leap. I think uh, Josh Green is, you know, approaches 50, 40, 90 territory. There's a lot to like with this team right now. And I know there's people, every single person out there is going to talk about Kyrie, how unpredictable he is, blah, blah, blah. You know, I actually don't think, if you look at the situation, you could say, well, he's always going to manifest an issue. Right now, he's gotten everything he's wanted from Dallas. He knows he's second fiddle to uh, Luka. It doesn't feel like there's going to necessarily be a blow up this season. Maybe the shelf life on Kyrie's uh, behavior is one year. I think this is the year we get it. They're going to be, you know, firing on all cylinders offensively. We'll do enough defensively to stay competent. I, I'm expecting, you know, somewhere in that mid to high 40s and a top six seed in the West. Ooh, okay. Lock. I mean, I, I just find it hard to lock on a team with Kyrie. Like, what is there that you can guarantee with any kind of certainty? Even if it is Luka, I agree with all the arguments you made. I just find it difficult that you can be so confident with a team uh, that has Kyrie on it. But, look, they have talent. There's no reason why they can't hit the over. Faith is in Luka. I agree. I might go down with the ship, and it wouldn't be the first time I've been completely bamboozled by Kyrie Irving, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust him one last time in year 12 or 13 of his career here. All right. All right. Next up, we have the Denver Nuggets coming off the NBA championship. It was the summer of Jokic. 52 and a half is their over under, which is exactly the record they had last year at 53 and 29. Interesting um, rotation here. I mean, they brought back all five starters on what was the best unit in, in basketball. They did lose Bruce Brown to Indy and Jeff Green to Houston, but you know they feel that they have adequate replacements with Peyton Watson, with Christian Braun, and some other folks. Uh, Christian Brown, excuse me. I'm going over. Um, I just trust the infrastructure here. I think Murray is going to be healthy from day one. If you remember last season, he did not look like himself for the first month or two coming off an entire year off from the ACL. I think Porter is more comfortable. Gordon, you know, all these guys, there's a big weight off the shoulders having won the title, including with Jokic. I think last season, especially down the stretch, they took their foot off the gas completely. I think they went 7-10 and 10 down the stretch. Jokic rested a lot. He probably lost his MVP because of it. And I don't think they have the monkey on their back anymore of like, you know, is Jokic a three-time MVP with no discernible playoff success, all that kind of stuff. It's just out the window. They they kind of got the crown and they're going to keep it rolling. And if anyone in the West, continuity is on their side. I'm going over. I like it. I'm going over as well. Uh, I just, this is the one team that, you can just rely on to be consistent night in and night out. They have no significant questions. Yeah, you lost Bruce Brown, but they're high on Peyton Watson, UCLA alumni. Um, <laughs> Should they Bruce be Brown then? I didn't know about that. Can I go under? <laughs> <laughs> he, no, he's going to be good. Christian Brown, as you said, like is only going to be better. Uh, and everyone else is relatively young, right? When you talk about Aaron Gordon's not that old, Porter, Murray, no reason to expect any kind of decline from their core rotation yeah and look Jokic is Jokic and there's no concern with him ever you know having a championship hangover or coming into the season completely out of shape so right I think they'll be fine they'll hit the over I was tempted to make this a lock but it's just 
the West is too good. And even last year, as good as they were last year, they were 53 wins. And this number is a shade under that. So I'm going with over uh, as well. Amazing. Okay. Well, two for two. <laughs> Riveting content here. All right. Next up, we have the Golden State Warriors. They lost in uh, a pretty one-sided series to the Lakers last season. It went six games, but definitely felt like they got bullied a little bit. They went 44-38 last year. The over-under is now 47.5. And, and, of course, the biggest news coming out of Golden State is the swap of Jordan Poole for longtime villain in the Bay, Chris Paul. Um, they bring pretty much everyone else back. Um, Draymond is hurt to start the year, but it shouldn't be long before he is back on the court. And, of course, you have Steph, the god, kind of manning the fort uh, for another season. So where do you have the Golden State Warriors? 47 and a half. I love the over. I'm taking the over. I think they are going to be good. Um, you look at last year, and there was so much that went wrong, obviously, with the pool situation. And it's just that weird road record. And they're, I just feel like that was an anomaly. Um, you can't expect that to repeat. I think Paul is going to steady that bench unit. Uh, and Kuminga and Moody are actually going to get more meaningful minutes. I think clearing out Poole's minutes and letting those guys thrive. And Kuminga in the preseason has already been quite the force. And Dario Sarge was a sneaky little addition as well, which I think can help them. So I, I think they're well-rounded. They're going to get Kuminga and Moody more minutes this season. Paul's going to stabilize that bench unit. And, you know, the core, Curry, Dre, Clay. They'll be fine. And and Curry has shown no signs of dropping off yet. So I think this will be a top four seed next year. Uh, mm. And maybe even get 50, 50, 51 wins. First disagreement of the board. I'm going under. I just, I don't like the fact that Chris Paul is already creating a little issue with the whole starter bench thing. I don't necessarily like the fact that if he does start, you're taking probably Kavon Looney or Draymond Green off the floor, assuming... Steph, Clay, and Wiggins are all locked. Um, I feel that, you know, the bench behind Curry still has a lot to be desired. Uh, I'm not there with Kuminga. I'm not there with Moody. You know, even Gary Payton the second, he's injury prone. I see this as a playoff team and potentially on the bottom half of that. But I like the 46-47 win range for Golden State. I think they're still going to be good. Um it's just getting a little longer the tooth, man. And I don't know how much longer the show can go on. I thought the Lakers definitely exposed them in a way. And granted, the playoffs are the playoffs. It's separate from how they're going to do the regular season. But you just feel like a little bit of that uh, luster has come off. Uh, a little bit of the fear that other teams have going into San Francisco. Um, so I'm going slight under. Still think they're going to be really good. Just not quite uh, top three seed in the East, which is what I think uh, you'll need to be if you're winning in the, you know, really high 40s or low 50s. They feel a little last dance-ish to me because Clay's got that... He's looking for that new contract, right? Or extension. Um, it's already been talked about. Yeah. And, I don't know that he's going to get that, right? Like, I know, I, mean, I know. But like, my, my point is, it's this feels last dance-ish in that they know it's kind of... This is ending the run. The, air, uh, the run is coming close to an end. Uh, Paul is this last-ditch effort to help them maybe push them over the top. And I, and I do think, uh, even with all the, the drama around Paul's place in the lineup, it'll normalize to him being on the bench unit. I think they'll realize that. He'll realize that. And who's here at this point in his career to do something that's not going to help him win and win help that team win games. So mm -hmm. I, I see your points. It's 
at some point the wheels got to come off, but I just feel like last year they underperformed more than they should have. So getting yeah. four more wins this year, getting pool out of the locker room. I think all those things will help. I think the road record thing is a good point. It was such a just weird kind of subplot that never seemed to end until sadly against the Kings when they won two games in Sacramento during the playoff series round one. But Aside from that, I, I do agree. Apparently, it came out today that Kerr kept trying to get Draymond to, to take Pool to dinner, and he's like, nah, I'm all right. Um, so <laughs> the fact that, uh, you know, you have that situation where he was just, you know, openly revolting against uh, the concept of making amends, maybe it was doomed to begin. All right. Houston Rockets, um, 31 and a half is their over-under. That would be a 10-win improvement, 22 and 60 last year. They really went spending this offseason. Van Vliet on a two-year max plus an option. Dylan Brooks with a massive four-year deal. They had uh, they added Jeff Green, like I mentioned. And then you bring all these young guns back. Jalen Green, Jabari Smith, Alperin Sengun, you know, Tari Eason, Deshaun Tate, Deshaun Tate, and then the rookie, uh, Amin Thompson. So they're obviously lost Kevin Porter. I don't think that they're going to be worried too much about that. Uh from a basketball standpoint. So just so many different guys on this team. It's hard to tell kind of who's real, who's not, but where do you have Houston? I think you go first on this one, right? Oh, should I go first? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I I'm going under. Um, I just, I think they're going to be better. I mean, I would freaking hope they'd be better after that spending spree. I think their young guys are decent. I'm especially expecting big things from Jabari Smith this year, who finally gets a chance for the first time since high school, probably to play with what appears to be a competent point guard after what he dealt with at Auburn and then his rookie year with Houston. It just feels like the, the, the West is so crowded. I don't love what I saw from either Van Vliet or Dylan Brooks last year. So while they may be veterans, I'm not sure they're necessarily in their most productive days. And I'm a big fan of uh, some of the young guys' long-term future, just not necessarily this season. So I'm going under. I'm going under as well. I'm going under lock. Oh, wow. Uh, Look, they're going to be better. Van Vliet raises their floor significantly, if you ask me. And then just getting improvements across the board and knowing how Jamari Smith has been this during summer league and preseason, he's due for a leap. The reason I'm locking this is, look, this is by far still the second worst team in the West. Um, now you can argue maybe Portland, maybe Utah, but they're battling for the second worst. And, and maybe only San Antonio's worse than them. And San Antonio, who knows? If Wemby really comes out the gates just blazing, they could be the worst. There's no way the worst or second worst team has 32 wins. Uh, even if the conference is super crowded and everyone's between 30 and 50, they're always like an NBA history tells us the bottom two teams are always, I think, worse than that. So I just based on just the math alone and the fact that they have no reasonable path to being better than all these other teams in the West, I'm going under and uh, I'm locking it because I think they'd be 27, 28. And hey, look, that's a six game improvement over last year. They still fall well short of this line. Yeah, I mean, look, I, there's there's an uphill climb, and that's before you even get into how competitive the rest of the West is going to be. Um, we really need to see something from Jalen Green, though, huh? Like, I feel like at some point, I, I'm kind of with him the way I am with Cade. At least he's played, so it's like he has enough on tape to feel one type of way. But with Cade, 
you know, he's just not played enough. He's kind of sitting in obscurity. With Jalen Green, it's like, all right, you're the num- number two pick. You were really upset you didn't go number one. At what point do you turn into something that's not just I can get 25 on bad efficiency and that's, you know, that's my NBA destiny. That's what I'm curious about for him this season. Yeah, and you hope that Ibe Adoka now is the coach of the Rockets, right? We didn't even talk about him. Yeah, that's he a good point. He brings some credibility. You know, he's not um, – oh, my God, what's his name? Silas, right? Uh, he's not – he's going to come in with some credibility. He's coached he's a championship team – or not a championship, a finals team that had to manage a lot of egos, manage a culture, uh, have them play strong defense. So I think he'll bring some of that. And we'll see, right, if, if Jalen Green is still going to be the same gunner, run-and-gun type player, low efficiency, even under Ime Odoka, maybe there's no hope. But I think with new coaching and better a better infrastructure in place, he may rein some of that in. But we'll see this season. Yeah, yep, absolutely. That's a good point. All right, next up, the Los Angeles Clippers, 45 and a half. They went 44 and 38 last year. Um, they're another team that pretty much kept their whole rotation intact. We will see if they make a deal for James Harden at this point. That has not been the case. Um, it does not look like Harden is going to play in the Philadelphia 76ers opening game. So uh, you would think a transaction's imminent. Could be the Clippers, maybe elsewhere. But right now it looks like PG, Kawhi, Westbrook, and, and, and the kind of battalion of role players are back. Where are you on uh, the Clippers 45 and a half? Give me the over. I love, Ooh, wow. love okay. the over on this team. Look, they had the same issues last year. The same injury issues that plagued them. Kawhi and, um, you know, and then once again, they get into the playoffs. They're a little feisty and they eventually lose. There is so much pressure on this team this year. There is so much pressure on Kawhi. There are the new rules the NBA is introducing around load management and I'm not saying that's going to affect Kawhi directly, but I think there's so much noise around this team being another disappointment that Kawhi is going to play more and play through injuries more than he has. PG the same. And I think this team is going to go all in on this year. At some point, Balmer's want to going to see a return on this investment. And I think this is the year they're going to try to really go for it. And so you're asking for two more wins over last season uh, when they had all these issues. I, I just think that and with Westbrook now, full year, I'm still not a huge fan of his game, but he does raise their floor considerably. Um, why wouldn't this team win two more games? I And you can say they get injured again, fine, but at some point, these guys know that they've got to, to have something to show for this. So I think this is the year that Kawhi stays relatively healthy and they win 47-48. I just can't get there with you because I cannot live in a world where I'm just assuming Kawhi and PG stay healthy. Even when these guys are healthy, they don't play, much less all the actual injuries they have. I don't think they give a damn about the player participation program or whatever it's called. I think these guys, I don't even know what their motivations are because they're both extension eligible. Pretty much Clippers have said we're not negotiating right for now, which is pretty telling given the fact that they've kind of sold the farm to, to have these two in place and they're just not willing to commit long term before they have to so that tells me that they don't really trust the you know the level of health that they're at maybe it's a wait and see year but usually you don't see that happen with two superstars which these guys are um but i'm going under and you know maybe they make noise in the playoffs maybe not but i just i i'd rather be wrong about them the thing about the clippers to me is also like 
I feel like they had this great set of versatile role players, and I feel like those guys are not all that good. Um, I don't know if they make a consolidation trade. They have the salaries for it. They have one or two picks they can put on the table. But if you're telling me James Harden's the answer, then I'm not feeling great about it. Um, I'm asking you what the question is, honestly. So um, I am going to go under, and we'll see how that you know manifests uh, over time. If we get a healthy Kawhi and PG, I probably will be long, wrong. But uh, I know you're going to sweat that out all year <laughs> to see if it's true. I'll tell you this. There was that clip. I don't know if you saw it that went around where um, Ty Lue had to shoot a free throw at the end of practice. And if he missed, yeah. I think the practice would end, but he made it. Did you watch the player reactions during that clip? I did. Kawhi was smiling. PG was smiling. Kawhi I almost thought was they were smiling. Gonna... Everyone is into it. That's not a, I mean, typically these veteran teams that have been around for long, they don't like, it's the same roster. Why would they care about something like that? They were, I, I know it's the smallest thing, but they were so excited. I think there's a different energy around that team this year. I think Kawhi is going to take it more seriously. And I really do think that that clip showed me that this is a slightly different team and that they're really invested. So I know it's insane, but I'm going to use it's, that to justify my over. It's, it's very funny you say that because I was watching that clip and I was like, damn, I've never seen. Kawhi and PG like this loose and part of the program. So especially right? Kawhi, so exactly. like, I, I had the exact same thought, but I was like, all right, Nathan, you you know how much trouble you get when you start analyzing and using these little Instagram videos to fuel your decision making. You have to move away from it. Yeah, this is typically what you would do. You know, you see yeah, a John exactly. Wall workout video and you're like, yo, he's back. I'm starting to make them myself. I got into video editing. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Lakers are up next. We have. 46 and a half. Um, you know, they're the offseason champs. Everyone crowned them. Everyone was uh, very, uh, let's call it, um, complimentary of what they did, keeping all their guys at very reasonable contracts, bringing over uh, Troy Vincent, not Troy Vincent, that's a cornerback, bringing over Gabe Vincent, bringing over, um, you know, Torian Prince, even someone like Christian Wood on the minimum is a good flyer to take. They finished 43 and 39 last year, but as we all know, made that run to the Western Conference Finals before what was the most competitive sweep of all time, according to the Lakers fans versus the Nuggets. And so where do you have them now, really, I think, or, or it's me first, but I, I, I'll, I'll start here. I, I have them as an over. Um, year 21 LeBron, I mean, he's defied logic. I think we're in the Brady zone with him and have been for a few years where you just stop worrying about if he's going to play and how he's going to play. I'm still going to be scared of him till the day he steps off a court, just like I was with Brady, even on that terrible Bucks team by, by, you know, by the end of his career. And I'm willing to, I'm willing to assume that Davis is going to be healthy. He looks better. He's looked really good in the preseason blocking shots. He's actually shooting threes again, which is interesting. I'm just a big fan of what the Lakers did around the table. And I think they have, they can basically play any style of basketball which is super important because if they want to, you know, conserve some of AD's energy, they can. If they want to, you know, have him at the five and just run teams off the court, they can. And as we know from last year's playoffs, when he wants to be, he's the single most impactful defender in the league. And, you know, I just think they have enough around this team with Austin Reeves' emergence and others that they're going to be really good and 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 have a really good regular season. Um, night to night, they they have you know enough depth and star talent to, to t- take a lot of teams out. So I'm going over 46 and a half. I'm going slight under. 
And I think mm. that is one of the few unders that I've seen from a lot of people when they talk about wins uh, over unders. I you going over Lake Clippers under Lakers. I think that combination has not happened by from anyone. I'm being a contrarian right here. Well, Even most people are going not. over Lakers under Clippers. Um, right, exactly. In the five seasons LeBron has played for LA at this point, five or four? Five. This is year six for him. Yeah. They've only gone over once. And that was a championship year. Um, now, part of it, of course, is injuries, which, guess what, is also in play because these guys don't stay healthy. And the other thing I don't get is, look, everyone, um, there's two narratives that keep going on. One is, oh, these teams don't care about the regular season. They only care about the playoffs. All these teams, they just want to care about the playoffs. But then you also expect the Lakers to win 48, 49 games in the regular season. Like, which one is it? I think this is a team that is going to try harder in the regular season this year. But at some point when they need LeBron needs to rest, Davis needs to rest. They're not going to be pushing these guys. Those guys will sit. They'll sit. They'll get their rest. And they're they don't care about seating. They're gearing up for another postseason run. So there's going to be those nights where they should win and then they end up losing. Now, you can make the argument now they finally have a roster that without LeBron or Davis, they're talented enough to win. And they are. They've got Reeves. They've got Gabe Vincent. Um, D'Lo's a solid regular season player, right? Rui, Vanderbilt. But I just don't – I think there's too much of a chance that a lot of these – LeBron and Davis will still sit out big games um, or multiple games. And that's enough to give me – confidence that they'll go slightly under and i know that's not a popular opinion but this team is not gunning hard like the denver nuggets are at 52.5 um and that's a team that tries hard every night regular mm -hmm. season team i just don't see the lakers being that type of team so i'm gonna bet on the health and some of that derailing them and they'll still be good in the postseason so under all right fair enough um as long as they make it there that's probably the main thing that they're worried about right Mm -hmm. Um, okay. Memphis 45 and a half. This may have moved actually since the Steven Adams news, but we're going to just go ahead and keep the one that we had from over the weekend, 45 and a half, 51 and 31. So Steven Adams news is he's having season ending surgery 51 and 31 last year. But the, the main news aside from, from that injury report is of course, John Moran is gone the first 25 games of the season. He's suspended for <laughs> multiple social media views, uh, or videos that, that are well-documented at this point. Marcus Smart um, is in. Tyus Jones is out. And Derek Rose is going to play, apparently, a decently big role after kind of riding the bench in New York for the last couple of seasons. So where are you on Memphis, 45 and a half? I was on the over originally. The Steven Adams news has me <laughs> a little spooked. questioning it. Spooked big time because – he is a key part of that rotation. I know he missed time, obviously, last year. But without Jaw, 25 games, without Steven Adams for the entire year, I know you've got Marcus Smart. You've got Triple J coming off a Defensive Player of the Year season. The infrastructure is there. Taylor Jenkins, good coach, yada, yada, yada. It's a regular season team. I had him as over. I'm, I wanted to stick with it. I might go slight under. Slight um, under is that final answer? But I don't ah, what do you I want to know what you're going, although that shouldn't influence my decision. But I'll just tell you because it's it's a bit bolder. I'm lock under. OK. Interesting. Now I'll tell you 
I just don't like this team without Ja. They were twenty and five two years ago, and only eleven and ten last year. Um, I don't like them even more so now without Stephen Adams because it's going to force uh, J- Triple J to play a lot more center, which we saw Team USA. He's not equipped for. We actually saw it in the playoffs too versus the Lakers as they were just able to kind of throw them around a little bit. And I just think Marcus Smart is on the back end of his career, and I didn't like how he played last season. I think the Celtics definitely sold high. You know, a lot of people are talking about, is this like a Tony Allen, similar Boston to Memphis, resurrects his career? I don't see that because, you know, to me, Smart was always overrated, and part of it was because he was wearing uh, the green and white. And now for that team with, you know, that shine and just general, like, high floor. I I don't see this being a a really successful team. I think they're in the play-in mix this year. Okay. Much bolder than me. So, I mean, I'm, I'm more comfortable with the under now, but like, I know what I was still debating the over is that look 46. I mean, they drop off four or five wins. Um, you know, there's a world in which th- this is still a competitive team. And I know, like, their their record without Jaw 20 and 5 was two years ago, and last year they were not the same. Yep. But, you know, they're still a talented roster. But I, I do like the under. The West is just too hard this year that they're not going to win those some of those games uh, that they used to win before. Yeah. I mean, I just think night to night, like, you look at the teams right in that two-win range, there's – you, you, you had the broader range, right? But the Kings are 44 and a half. Thunder, Pelicans, Timberwolves, 44 and a half. Memphis, 45. Lakers, 46 and a half. Clippers, 45 and a half. And Mavericks, 43 and a half. So that's half the conference, right? In that one little stretch, somebody's got to be in. Someone's got to be out. I'm picking Memphis as the team that's going to be out. All right. Okay. So you, you ended up with the under, right? On that one. Yeah, I'm on the under. All right, Minnesota, uh, 44 and a half, like I just mentioned. They were round one exit to the Nuggets, um, 42 and 40 last year. They are spending money like there's absolutely no fucking tomorrow. So they have Gobert, Cat, and recently signed Ant to a Supermax extension. So three players on Supermax. They just gave Jaden McDaniels, which I think gave multiple people in my life heart, heart attacks. Uh, when they saw his contract, five years, $136 million for Jaden McDaniels. They re-signed Nas Reed uh, to three for 42, re-signed Nikhil Alexander-Walker, and Conley's an upcoming free agent, but as of now, they don't really have plans to move off of him. So basically the same team as last season um, that was supposed to do really big things, was mediocre all year before kind of getting it together. Uh, where are you on Minnesota, 44 and a half? I like the over. Mm. I believe, I mean, this is a, what you're asking for three more wins. Uh, Ant, Ant's expected to take a leap. I think Gobert, Cat, all these guys will have to, I mean, at least one season in the books, and who knows how it'll play out this year. But I think uh, they've got enough around them, too, that this is, should be a very competitive team. And, and I think a lot was made about how they struggled, especially early last season. They ended up finishing very strong. I don't know if you remember. I don't know. I have to pull the exact splits. Oh, I remember. Um, remember how high I was on the Timberwolves? I know. I know. And, and you know, you're now maybe a year. You were just a year early is what you're going to say if they end up doing well. It's exactly. Um, I'm never wrong. I'm just early. And I'm going over, by the way, just as a little preview. Yeah. So, uh, 
I figured you'd go over. I like them. It's just, it's a, it's a tough number, man. Like 44 and a half is too lower than the Lakers, 46 and a half. And I'm going over on the Wolves and lower on the Lakers. And, and is that me saying that they're going to finish either the same or higher? That's tough to me to stomach, uh, for me to stomach. But uh, I like them. I like the over. I think they could have done that. They would have beaten them last year in the freaking um, playing game if Gobert had not missed that game and McDaniels hadn't punched a wall and all sorts of stuff. Well, maybe the fact that they did all those things is kind of indicative <laughs> of of why you can't trust them because Gobert was punching his teammates and and whatnot. But yeah, I'm going over. I just think you know, I think the ant blow up is a little premature. I will say that. I think he's still night to night, not quite consistent enough to put that himself in the rarefied air that people are talking about, which is all NBA top 15 guy. I, I don't know what he came in at, at ESPN rank, but I think he was like top 15 or top 20, which top 20 is a little bit more palatable. Top 15 is, is a level that I just, I'm not willing to go there yet with him. I think he's, I love Ant and I think he's right on that precipice, but you know, you gotta be every single night consistent and, so I think he'll be great in an all-star. I just don't think he's going to go quite that far. And then the other piece that I think is going to actually work a little bit better is the cat go bear pairing. I think it was really hard last season. They've had a full off season. They have Nas Reed who's flexible. So it's weird in that they have three centers who are, you know, three of their five highest paid players, but I think they're going to play a little bit better than they did last year. And look, your guy, Chris Finch is an offensive wizard. They really struggled offensively more than anything else last year, right? They were 23rd in the league only in 10th defensively. So they actually had that part figured out. I'm hoping with a full season of Mike Conley, you remember they made the D'Angelo Russell trade midway through the year with uh cat and Gobert having a little bit more experience together. This is going to be a top, uh, you know, top half of the league offense, which is going to be enough to lift them to that mid forties mark. Yep. Totally agree on all those points. I think it's easier to improve offensively, you know, with another year in the system when you already have a good defense versus the other way around. So, Yep. I like it. All right. New Orleans Pelicans, 44 and a half. They went 42 and 40 last year. Uh, Zion appears to be healthy. We have not heard of any specific, I don't know if you've heard of any minutes restrictions, back to no back to backs. I think it's kind of full go with him. He played throughout the preseason. He looked good. He didn't look as bouncy as years past, but he definitely looked healthy and dynamic. Um, so Ingram, Really tough Team USA experience, but now he's back into like the role he probably would prefer playing um, as not a catch-and-shoot player. And the big big issue with them is Trey Murphy is out for some period of time with a torn meniscus, and he was probably their third-best guy last year. So where are you on New Orleans 44-and-a-half? I am on the under mm. and lock it in. Okay. Now that is a spicy take because once again, I'm actually going very uh, contrarian on some of these picks because I know they were a popular people, over and you know the logic really? is oh they were a one seed in November last year when Zion was healthy they were good and you know they've got they've got they're bringing back essentially the same roster um, why wouldn't they be at least a 44 45 win team I we've talked about it Zion doesn't look as spry and as kind of just agile as, as he did last season. He's he's going to be healthy. He's going to be good. But I don't think he's going to be the version that we saw last year that was dominating um, leading into the November. Uh, Ingram, I don't know if it was just me getting spooked by his performance uh, over the summer. But I, 
I don't know what at this point, like I don't know if the Zion Ingram pairing is gonna work and is he someone they shop midseason if if it's not working? Yeah. Um McCollum is older, he's getting up there in age, Valanciunas as well. Like these guys, uh, nothing screams confidence that they're gonna hit this over to be. So I I like the under, and just because of Zion's history, because of some of the questions around the roster, and maybe this is a team that ha- they have enough assets to try to make a trade midseason. I'll take the under and lock it in. I don't think this is that contrarian because I don't think Zion's health can ever be understated how unreliable it is. And without him, this is a middling team with not a lot of top-end talent, especially given that we're on the back end of McCollum's career. Ingram is who he is, which is probably like a tier two, tier three kind of player. So I'm going under as well, and it's entirely predicated on the fact that the first time, the next time we see Zion healthy will be the first time. And I just don't have patience to wait on this. I think it's similar to uh, some of the Clippers conversation. At least with those guys, they've done it for extended stretches on big stages, both George and Kawhi. We've never seen that from Zion. He is young, uh, but he is certainly not the type of body uh, that'll hold up. And he hasn't yet at all in four years. I think he's played 100, uh, what is it, 180 games? In, or sorry, uh, less than that, right? 110 games in four seasons. So what am I counting on here? What am I expecting? Um, they're, they're talented, but I think the Trey Murphy loss is big. And ultimately, 100, yeah, 114 games in four seasons, including 29 in the last two years. So I'm going to pass on Zion for now until, until further notice. I'm under. All right, cool. So we're both on that one. I feel like we're going to match. I'm just looking at these. I can probably see one other one that we might. Okay. No, so there's at Oklahoma. least three we're going to differ on. I can tell you that right now. Oklahoma City, 44 and a half. 40 and 42 last year. This is the darling of the NBA. Bill Simmons is all over this. I think he said they're going to finish with home court advantage in round one. Um, They bring everyone back. And then a key addition, of course, is Chet Holmgren is back for his official rookie year after being out all of his first year post-drafting. With a foot injury, he looks pretty awesome. SGA, we don't. Who needs to say more? The guy is a fucking beast. Um, led Canada bronze medal, which has has really uh, him and 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 Dort on this team have really uh, impressed me with that achievement. And then you have all the rest of the guys: Giddy, Jalen Williams, Poku, the other Jalen Williams. So a lot of talent in this room. They are they are young, but I think SGA is here as a tier one star. So where are you on OKC? You go first on this one. Oh, yeah. I'll let you go first. I'm over. Um, I think that they're going to be right there. So I think it's either 44, 44 or 45. This is a really good line for them. It could just be so crowded and they're a year away. I also think they – but I think they're just so talented. They play all the time. Giddy is amazing. He's one of my favorite players in the league. And they can still very easily make a trade without touching any of their top four that, you know – that can really bolster their chances this season. I think they don't need to really go all in, but they can make themselves better and more viable contender given they're done with like the tanking process and being top five in the lottery. I just think you owe it to SGA and you definitely want to make sure he is feeling that competitive fire and is not just wasting another year of his career. So I'm over Oklahoma city. I think that's going to be very, very close. Um, but it's almost like I mentioned last week, it's like Paris trading, right? So I'm against Memphis. I'm against new Orleans, but I'm on, OKC, I'm on Dallas, right in that range. Give me all good arguments. Give me the under. 
right. and lock it in. Give me oh, a lock on the under. Dude, I'm tired of this Oklahoma City Thunder darling story. Like, look, there are 40 wins last year, which was amazing. And there's no reason to think they would not be better this year. I get it. I just think, look, look realistically, the NBA is a star-driven league. Look at every team above them in the over-unders and look at their top two players. Who are, who's the second best player on this OKC team? I'd Giddy? say probably Giddy. All right, but maybe it could it's be Giddy. Maybe it's Giddy. Maybe, maybe it's Chet. Chet, But even that, like, he's going to be good. But, like, how... I still think we're expecting a little too much based on preseason highlights from Chet. He'll be good this year, but is he going to be a second star good? And I think the fundamental problem with this team is that they were a great story. They caught a lot of teams by surprise. SGA is not LeBron. He's not Luka. He's not going to drag this roster to 46, 47 wins. They still are lacking in talent. And to your point, they could make an, a trade in the midseason. I think Sam Presti, I think Sam Presti just loves having these picks in his pocket. He's in I no rush to make that. a move. Yeah. They're in no rush to make a move. So I don't think that they're going to make a midseason kind of a home run trade where they package these assets and go after another star. I think they might do that next offseason. They're not going to do that this season. So how is this roster of SGA, Chet, Giddy, Jalen Williams? Like we have to separate the fact that they were fun. They were exciting. They're young from the reality that we're asking this team. We're saying they're as good as the Timberwolves. We're saying they're as good as the Pelicans. We're saying they're as good as the Kings, close to the Clippers, the Lakers. Just pump the brakes. Pump the brakes. Lock <laughs> under. They'll have a little bit of a step back, I think, this year. And then next year, they'll make some moves and be very good. The interesting thing about it, because I don't necessarily disagree with any of that. And as you were talking, I was like, damn, I mean, what is the argument for them to be five wins better with no material additions to the team beyond a rookie, right? And how much can you count on a rookie big? Something about them just feels like there's magic in the air. You know what I mean? I will say, though. (laughs) Oh, great. Magic. That's why they're going to clear their over. To your point, Sam Presti loves hearing how fucking smart he is. And part of that is is all the picks he's accumulated. Like, he did build the Durant uh, Thunder. They didn't win a title. He blew it up. Now he gets to build this one. And again, this is the best. This is when your Q rating is the highest, right before you actually have to put up or shut up. And I think he's trying to let that wave ride as long as possible. But I actually think it's it's negligent to not go for it with, Chet, uh, with SGA being as good as he is right now, which is a top eight or nine player in the league kind of a first-team All-NBA level guy. Um, that's what he was last year. I wouldn't expect anything else from him this year. So I'm going over, but you've now made me a little nervous with how hard you came out against that. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I Part of it is just me reacting to just the love so and adulation they're getting. But it, it really is, dude. Like, you look at this roster, and it, I think sometimes we find it hard to separate, like, we look at a team like the Clippers and we're just disgusted with how they were last year and they're always injured. But fundamentally, that's a stronger team. And you're banking on their injury. That's why the over-under is priced the way it is. But I, I just don't see them finishing above all these teams like the Clippers, the Lakers, the Grizzlies. It seems like it's a year away. Yeah. Okay. Phoenix Suns, 52 and a half. 45 and 37 last year, they added Kevin Durant uh, midway through the year. He um, and Booker basically dragged this team to two wins versus the Nuggets. 
course, big move from them. A lot of big moves. Out is Paul. Out is DeAndre Ayton. In is Bradley Beal. Yusuf Nurkic. Grayson Allen, Eric Gordon, they completely remade their roster. It is amazing to me to think that this team went to the finals just three years ago and Booker is the only player left on that team. Um, so night and day difference, um, new coach with Frank Vogel, new ownership with Matt Ishbia. So <laughs> a lot of newness in Phoenix, a lot of excitement in Phoenix. So 52 and a half is the number. Where, uh, where are you at? I had penciled this in for an over uh, mm-hmm. at first. I, I, you know, people say it's not a regular season team, but I think they've got so much talent and they've actually rounded out the bench quite a bit um, in a way that makes me think they could be pretty formidable during the regular season and, and be a two seed right after Denver. I switched. I changed it up, though. I went back under because Nur- the Nurkic piece really bothers me. <laughs> I mm-hmm. As much as, as disappointing as Aiden was and how much he left on the table, I don't know what you expect from Nurkic. At this stage in his career, he has trouble matching up with so many bigs in the league um, at this given point of his career. And what he brings offensively also is not anything special anymore. I think that's the huge, huge weak link in, in, in their rotation. And and of course, you've got um, Eric Gordon, you've got Grayson Allen, you've got these nice pieces for scoring, but defensively i still think this team has way too many holes to expect them to be a regular season juggernaut there's just gonna be nights where they get run off the gym um and they'll be okay with that because ultimately they're playing for the postseason so uh and not to mention all the injury concerns you have across multiple of those guys so give me the under i am all in on the over i am locking it um this is the thing with this team, and I'm telling you, when Kevin Durant plays, he wins basketball games. He was 25-2 and two during the last 27 regular season games he played last year, basically from the end of November all the way through. He missed a lot of games for injury, and that, to your point, is a very fair reason why that's not necessarily a great stat, uh, despite how good he's been. But I think with the way that the new setup is going to be, they're looking for him to play. He's going to play. And see, the thing that I actually think is quite interesting, and he's going to test this limit a little bit, is the whole uh, load management thing doesn't necessarily account for the fact that, you know, you could have a four-week injury that you just take six weeks to come back from. He's kind of the master of that, especially post his Achilles deal. So as long as he avoids that, I think he loves playing basketball and will always play. And if he plays, they're going to have a great chance to win against against virtually anyone. And as much as you think the defense is a problem, they're going to get run out. I think they're just going to take to town the Charlottes, the Detroits, the Washingtons, Portland's Houston's like they're just never going to lose any of those games because they're just so dynamic offensively so I love uh this this regular season team I actually think they win the west in the regular season um this is my Durant bias showing but I'm all in on the Phoenix Suns this season damn love it that's two straight picks where we both went opposite and one of us took the lock yeah so there we go you're right so we already mixed uh, we already skipped two since, uh, or, or differed on two since we talked about it. So, all right, next up, Portland, 27 and a half. They went 33 and 49. Blew up the roster, as we know. Scoot, Anthony Simons, Shaden Sharp, Jeremy Grant, DeAndre Ayton, Robert Williams, Malcolm Brown. So it's a decent collection of talent, Matisse Thybul, uh, but still a lot to be figured out in terms of how this is all going to mesh. So Portland, I am going to go under uh i just think they're going to be bad i don't think they're i don't 
think we need to talk about a ton. I just think they're not trying. Uh, they probably will move Robert Williams at some point. Maybe they move Malcolm Brogdon at some point if they can get good return for him. He seems to be healthy, by the way, so I don't really know why he failed the physical with the Clippers. Um, I'm not really sure what all, what all they look at, but he's playing. I think they both play their way into trades to contenders, especially you look at uh, Memphis looking at Robert Williams after they lost Steven Adams. That would make a lot of sense. And Brogdon fits just about anywhere, right? So the place for him could be a team like Miami, which which needs uh, you know a shooter and, and somebody who can carry the offense a little bit. So I'm going under for Portland. This is a total rebuild year or figure out what you have around Scoot and move on from there. I'm going slight over, but I hate it after listening to your argument <laughs> and all the other arguments. I'm like, I don't, this is the second worst team in the West. Uh, and by my logic previously, how is this going to be a 31 team or 28, 29? Uh, I'll give you the argument for the over though. I'll stick with the over. The argument for me is um, you're right. They are in rebuilding mode, but I think this is one of those teams where this year is more about figuring what they have. They've got uh, Scoot. They've got Simons, who are obviously young talent. Um, but how does Aiden fit? Uh, they added Thibel and Brogdon, and obviously these guys can be moved. But um, they're also players that you might want to keep as part of your rotation moving forward. Chris Murray is uh, a high-floor rookie. Comes in, brings – he's not the same player Keegan was, but brings – I was going to say, please don't bring your Keegan Murray bias into your Chris Murray analysis. I mean, he's a ready-to-play rookie, right? So I think they've got enough pieces to to creep into that 28-29. Um, granted, look, they're only a 33-win team last year, and Dame played 50 – it seemed like Dame missed a lot more time, but he played 58 games. Right. Um, and was amazing, and they still only hit 33 wins. So – I uh, it's a little concerning, but I think they they're talented enough, and I actually don't think they'll make any big swings this year. So this roster will look for the most part the same, and that'll give you twenty eight wins. Yeah, I just I don't know. I mean, I like the moves they made. I thought that the value they got back for for Dame was was pretty good, um, including DeAndre Ayton, who I think has been somewhat cast aside, strangely so, and I think he's still got a lot to give in the league and a lot to prove and he's going to play well this year. I just, this is a classic team. I I've seen that. We've seen this so many times, this team that's got a bunch of young guys, but interesting guys. And they just come woefully short as it relates to actual winning product. Well, I mean, here's the biggest parallel, right? What were the Utah jazz last year? Uh, there were a collection of guys and everyone was like, Danny Ainge, he's going to rip this apart. He's going to think, and guess what? They were not buyers or I mean, they're not sellers. Um, they ran with that roster and they ended up finishing much better than expected. So I think Portland could take a similar path. Um, yeah. Like, cause Utah also had like vets that were from other teams that didn't really pan out. Right. And the same thing with Portland. Now you got Aiden, you got Jeremy Grant, who I know he played last year, but, um, Thibel, Brogdon. So it's, they could have a similar arc in some ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, one team had Will Hardy and one team has Chauncey Billups, so that's, <laughs> that's that would true. be the uh, <laughs> argument. Um, but also, like, to, to, to play that forward, like, Marketing was the guy that tur- turned a leaf into a player we never thought he could become again. So who would that be here? Is that Jeremy Grant or is Aiden. that Aiden? Okay. Aiden. Yeah, I mean, Aiden's maybe. shown flashes, but he's just – I feel like he's just much more motivated in a system that 
yeah, maybe we'll play more to like, him, right? Run through him. He so was clearly like, fuck this. Like, I'm tired of getting just screamed at all the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We've all been there. Um, all right. <laughs> Next up, Sacramento Kings. 44 and a half. They went 48 and 34. Best season in almost 20 years last year. Lost a grueling seven-game series to the Warriors round one. They were the best offense in the league, 24th in defense. They have a couple of changes around the fringes with, with Duarte, with this kid from Europe, Vanezikov. Well, how do you pronounce it? Vizenikov? Um Vizenkov. But, other, but otherwise, it's the it's the squad back. They re-signed uh, Harrison Barnes after some people thought they might you know, use that slot elsewhere. Some people thought they might go after Drew Holiday, but they are staying put. Two All-NBA players in Fox and Sabonis. 44 and a half. Where, where do you got? Three weeks ago, this was a lock over. Now it's a very tepid over. <laughs> they Did have not something had a happen? good preseason. Huh? Did something happen in that time frame? Uh, the preseason, just a lot of questions. Uh, they have not looked good. Let's put it that okay. way. Um, and it's preseason. I get it. But I was hoping to see more to be excited about. And, you know, the big concern of this team is, hey, they're running it back. How do you expect them to when they're full, um, full bill of health last year? You know, they're not going to have the same. All yada, yada, yada. Here's the reason for the over. First of all, bill of health, sure, someone could get injured, but this is a team that plays through injuries that's not going to sit guys out any more than they need to. Uh, year three, year two, Keegan, he has been the most promising thing we've seen in the preseason. He is developing kind of an offensive game. He's not just going to be catch and shoot. I think that'll still be his primary role, given Fox and Sabonis being your leading scorers. But I think he's going to show a little bit more wiggle, some more of his isolation, shot creation um, will will be demonstrated this season. And I think uh, Duarte, I actually really like his addition. They're talking about maybe him being a starter because defensively he provides a lot more than Kevin Herter. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that little wrinkle could give them the perfect punch, both offensively and defensively in that starting unit. And then you have Herter coming off the bench for extra firepower. Uh, Vizenkov, I think, is going to struggle a little bit. Um, to me, we have high hopes. He's a great shooter, but he's a little bit slow. He's a lot like Bayelitsa, right, where they're just kind of um, a little chubbier guys. They don't move that well laterally, so defensively they can be abused, but offensively they can go off any given night. I just think that it's a good infrastructure, good coaching, and defensively they're going to be better than 24th. They were so bad last year. And they showed in the postseason against the Warriors. They turned it up. They were like a top 10 defense in the postseason. Um, or maybe not top 10, given there's only 16 teams. But they were a plus <laughs> defensive team in the in the postseason. So there's reason to believe another year under Brown, this team will get better. So those are all my arguments. I think they hit 45, 46. And they're in the sixth seed, roughly. You've definitely brought your expectations down from when we talked a couple weeks ago. I am on the under. I think, you know, all the reasons we've mentioned before. Look, they, they're really talented. They're really exciting. Fox is a stud. Sabonis, you know, people people uh, don't talk enough about the broken thumb he played last season uh, with last season that other guys probably would have sat out. Um, you know, part of the idea of great health is you got to play through injuries, which he did do. Um, it's just, a, you know, Keegan Murray, he was amazing in summer league. We'll see what translates to the regular season. Preseason and summer league to me are just kind of like, let me throw them out because I I don't know what to think. Like freaking Luca had a 42 PER this preseason, but he was also probably playing like half his games were against like Real Madrid. So it's hard to like keep, you know, 
track of some of those stats. I, I just think top end talent wise, the argument you made for Oklahoma city, I could also make it for Sacramento, which is like top end talent. Fox is at the bottom of the top 20. Sabonis is probably in the 20 somewhere really good. But when you look at the teams above them, they all have a top 10 or 15 guy. Um, and I think that's going to matter. Health pending. Of course, not everyone's going to be healthy, but neither might the Kings. So if we're going to take guesses on that, they are more likely to stay healthy than some of the other like like ambulance squads ahead of them. However, with everyone on the court, I don't know that I like their talent quite as much. Uh, I do think that they're in that top end of the playing range, but this is going to be a small step back, and then they're going to really go for it this offseason. So I'm, a, I'm on an under. Understandable. I, should, I, I just I take way. offense to the comparison to OKC when you're right, Fox compared to the other rosters in the West, we don't have as much talent, but Fox and Zavonis were both all NBA last year. SGA was all NBA. That's one versus two. Very different. Josh Giddy did not even sniff all NBA. So there is <laughs> there is a difference in the talent. Yeah, that's that, that's fair. But how much of that is uh is sort of confirmation bias from having a good record, right? Like if you know, if they didn't have a good record there for 500. Would both of them have made it? Probably not. So, Well, do you not remember I, our regressions uh, class where we said if you have an all-star, <laughs> that leads to the good record. So it's not confirmation bias. It's actually causation. That's true. That's right true. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It, it is the uh, – <laughs> there's no serial cor- correlation here. Um, you know, oh, by the way, so long-time listener, Sean, uh, I had to bring this up on the pod. He's a big Thunder fan. Um he knows you're obviously a big Kings fan, and he knows at the end of the day I'm a Luca guy, and I've been big on Dallas. Proposition for the bet, 20 bucks a person, winner takes all for whoever has the most wins between the Kings, the Mavericks, and the Thunder. I figured That's you'd not be fair. In... You get the Mavs in that hole? <laughs> what, they have Scenario? the lowest over-under of that. What are you talking about? I know, but uh, I'll, I'll do it, sure, but come on. What do you mean? Come on, Vegas suddenly is wrong. Doesn't know what they're talking about. They have the literal lowest under over under of those three. Yeah, but I feel like the over for Dallas is like minus one thirty, and the over yeah. for the Kings is like minus one ten. You know. But if I took them at forty five plus, it would not be minus one ten. It would be like plus one hundred five. Maybe. Okay. Guy, sure. Guy we'll spends one weekend like with Fanduel. Suddenly, he's an odds expert. <laughs> How'd you do on all your bets to try to clear out? The, oh, bad, dude. I don't even want to like admit how much, how bad it was. Yep. Um, I won some, I won some player props, uh, like Deontay Johnson over receptions. I took that. I took Puka over yards. Won a few of those, but overall was just slaughtered. Eckler let us my, my best one was Bijan leading rusher. Oh yeah. Uh, that was a grand total solid. of zero yards. That's pretty wild that of all the bets you took, you took Bijan most rushing yards in that game, and he actually got one carry. The funny thing is, if he was healthy, he would have easily hit it because our rush defense is getting shredded. Um, and uh, and um, what's his name? Rashad White didn't do that. I mean, he was better during in the air, but he did not do that much. On exactly, the right? That was the only concern is that if our run game got going against Atlanta for whatever reason. But yeah, anyways, it was not great. Okay. Let's just say that. So it's good that I'm back here. All right, last two. So we're in for the bet. That's that's the official yeah, word. Yeah, we're in. Last yeah. last two. We can go quick. Spurs twenty two and sixty last year. Their over under is twenty eight and a half. Uh, I'm over. Uh, Victor, of Omiyama. course you are. That's my analysis. If we looked at all the players you had a good game with in two K, like I mentioned this in the last pod, 
I think you would have taken the over on all those teams. I think there's a direct correlation. It's a straight line. <laughs> it might be. Or conversely, um, guys who absolutely screwed me. Like staff exactly. and Warriors. We went 1-14 and 14 against you in the closeout game. I I like the under. It has nothing to do with, I think Wemby is going to be better than – I mean, clearly, now that he's – I can't even say better than advertised because now we've seen him in the preseason and he looks amazing. I just – they're the worst team. They're still the worst team. So I, I don't think the worst team is going to win 29 games. It's not going to be that bunched. It'll be bunched in the West. It cannot be that bunched. So I think my thing with them, though, is that, like, he is so impactful. Even if they load manage and bring him along slowly, he's going to be able to turn a lot of games that maybe we weren't sure if he was going to have that level of an impact. Um, And you look at Sohan, you look at, you know, even Vassell, Keldon Johnson, all these guys just come down a notch. They're not, you know, now you don't have a team where Vassell is the best player. He's the second best. And again, it's not like. I'm expecting great things, but if they go 29-53, that seems like something that uh, is doable. So I like the over. Um, and look, Pop feels motivated again. I think he's trying to go for it now that Wemby seems like his prize to you know the next gen of Spurs uh, dynasty maybe out there. Yeah, right. I could see it. I actually i I flirted with the idea of an over just because how Wemby how good he was. Um, and, and even look, even if he plays 50 games, right. Or 40, let's say he plays 40 games. They shut him down early. That's still hugely impactful to a team like them. Um, you know, if you took 40 games last year, you split the record in half, they would have been 11 and 30. They, you know, you can't, you're telling me they can't go like 17 and 13 in those games where he's fully playing. I don't know. It's possible. Yeah, it's probably dumb. Now that I look at but actually roster. now that's actually a lot to ask for. So maybe yeah, maybe the is good. <laughs> I was like, wait, 17-13 a lot. All right, Utah, especially in that conference. Yeah, that's yeah. probably a dumb move on my part. All right, Utah, 37 and 45 last year. They're over under 35 and a half. Um yeah, they were kind of a revelation for the first three quarters of the year, just given how well Lori Markin played. He had an all-NBA season. Um they didn't do a lot roster wise. They had a couple top 16 picks. And so that obviously is going to be, those guys are going to be part of their rotation. Um, Colin Sexton, Jordan Clarkson's back. They traded for John Collins. So they made some moves. Um, they have Walker Kessler, of course, coming off uh, a nice rookie year. I think I'm under though, just because I think they're going to get squeezed a little bit. And I think at some point they may look to punt for next season they're a year away from really competing. I don't think, you know, they were made Will Hardy's a great coach and they have they ran a great system. I just feel like they're going to get a little squeezed and push comes to shove this year, you know, they're going to be in that spot where they could go for low, you know, upper 30s and maybe the 10th seed in the play and I think they'll shut it down earlier this time around and you know, potentially trade some guys at the deadline who could fetch, you know, good returns and then finally try to build around the next wave. Um, either this summer in the draft or then free agency. Agreed. I'm an under. They, there's no top end. Like the ceiling on any of these guys is not that high. As good as Markinen was, like you're asking, John Collins, Jordan Clarkson, these are all guys who've been around. Walker Kessler is the one guy who will continue to get better. But there's no, I just don't see where a leap would come from. And of course, they don't have to leap anywhere because their over-under is less than last year. But they also stumbled mm-hmm. towards the end of last season. They're eight and fourteen post All Star break. Yeah. So they were. Yeah, yeah. They started to struggle a little bit down the stretch. They got off to a really hot start, and 
Um, ultimately, this team still feels like a collection of assets. And I think Danny Ainge will continue to look at it like that. So like you said, just a very good point. They are going to be sellers. And depending on how things start off, these this roster could look radically different by the end of the year. Or they shut down guys to preserve them for trading them in the offseason. So either yeah. way, I don't see them hitting the same number as last year. All right. Well, there you have it. Over-unders for the 2023-2024 season. I can't believe we're already here. Um, you know, the, the the mid-season tournament starts in like a week and a half, um, if I remember correctly. <laughs> it's insane. It's like early November is the first uh, set of games. And then they will be regular season games that just double as, as those. And then we'll, I think, it, leading into Christmas or so for the actual tournament. So super excited. There's so much to talk about. Before we go, we did not get a chance to do award predictions. Do you have the MVP and your finals pick ready to go? Damn, you're putting me on the spot. I know, but I realize that this is our last chance to say it before basketball is actually played. Why don't you go first? I'm looking at the rosters. <laughs> I'm just going to be too invested in this now, but I have Luka Doncic winning MVP, and I have the Bucks over the Suns, a repeat of 2021 championship. I'm going to have Giannis. Mm-hmm. I'm going to yep. have him returning to MVP glory. It'd be his He's third. my MVP. Huh? It would be his third, right? It'd be his third. I just think that, you know, they're going to be uh, actually. Yeah, I'll stick with Giannis. Okay. And for my finals prediction, I'm going to go Bucks Nuggets. And the Nuggets win. Ooh, I would love that. I'm a big Jokic guy. To see him on that stage again going against Giannis, that would be a lot of fun. I think that would be one of the most fun battles you could have. So what did you pick again? I picked Bucks over Suns. Over Suns? Interesting. So Suns will beat the Nuggets. Suns will beat the Nuggets. You know, see, (laughs) this is the problem. If they lose to the Golden State Warriors tomorrow, all hell will break loose in my mind of what's possible. <laughs> um, but I do think I'm just so interested to watch them play because the depth is there. They've somehow figured out a way to build a functional bench. You know, I, yeah, it, no, I, it's, I, I definitely think they're going to be in the conference finals. I think it will be Suns Nuggets. I don't think it's going to be Lakers or Clippers uh, or anyone else. Um, I just, you know, I don't know. Sometimes I think about Bradley Beal and I'm like, yeah, is he going to push them over the edge? Really? Um, don't get me wrong. Counting on Bradley Beal has not worked out well for anyone. I know it's like, oh, they added a third star. This is loaded. But when I look at it, all things considered, you take out Aiden, Paul, some of these other guys, and you add Bradley Beal. Ah, it's not, I don't know if it's going to push the, uh, push them over the edge necessarily. Doesn't make you feel good, and neither does your Nurkic. To your point, but Durant's on a mission. But I think what's more interesting is that you want Bucks over Celtics. Yeah, I mean, I did too. But I I just a lot of people like the Celtics in that spot. I know, and I actually like the Celtics as the one seed. Um, I went over on the Celtics, under on the Nuggets. I just I was under on the Bucks. I just I don't know, like healthy Milwaukee, healthy Boston is going to be absolute Titanic battle. I think I trust. 
Giannis more, even though he's had more playoff failures, call it, than, than I would say the Celtics have. Dame is such an interesting component. I just think that offense is going to be really hard to stop. And, you know, I need to see that some of the Celtics' late-game woes have been solved. Milwaukee, I think, did solve them by adding Dame. And I don't think Boston did by adding uh, Drew. Yeah. So, all right. Well, that is a wrap for us. Real, actually, quick recap here. Dallas and Denver, we're both over. Golden State, I'm under, you're over. Houston, we're both under. The Clippers, I'm under, you're over. Lakers, I'm over, you're under. Memphis, we're both under. Minnesota, we're both over. New Orleans, we're both under. A lot of disagreements down the stretch. Oklahoma City, Phoenix, I'm over on both. You're under on both. Portland and Sacramento, I'm under on both. You're over on both. San Antonio, I'm over. You're under. And Utah, we are both under. My locks are Dallas over, Portland under, Memphis under. Your locks, man, you were negative. Houston under, New Orleans under, Oklahoma City under. So it is going to be a bloodbath. We cannot wave. So that that is over-unders for this season. Um, any final thoughts before we... Get hand the mic over basically to Jokic and bring ceremony tomorrow night. No, I'm just, I was just going to say that it's funny. The first two weeks, and we're guilty of this too because we'll record a pod immediately next week and make all kinds of conclusions based on what happens this week. Um, but we over, uh, there's so much overreaction that happens because we're starving for basketball. And then by the end of the season, you're like, did it really matter what happened in game one or game two? Um, but what I was going to say is I feel like this year, that overreaction might be justified because the West is so tight that everything's going to be split by a game, separated by a game that you can't afford to give, give up a game even early in the season. So this is just to say that every game is, I feel like carries additional importance, especially in the Western conference. So I'm very excited for Lakers nuggets tomorrow. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Um, All right, well, that is a wrap for us. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Thick and Thin Hoops on all major podcast platforms. Um, Enjoy tomorrow night, and we will talk to you next week. Peace.